grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <clears throat> it's a beautiful day here today. Boy, the last couple of days were ripping. Rip, 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 rip. I'm telling you. Storm, storm, storm. Uh, flooding in my backyard, flooding in my front yard, flooding, flooding everywhere. Anyway, it's good to see you guys for our, what, my last, this was last week October for the show. We're going to start four days a week in November. We're going to be going Monday through Thursday. And hang on one second. Little things irritate me. I have OCD. So I didn't notice this was happening. Wow. Okay. Well, well, you know what? It's the wrong side. Hang on. I have OCD. Let me, let me, okay. There we go. <laughs> I have horrible OCD. Anyway, um, welcome. It's Halloween week, and it's going to be all ghosts all the time this week. For today, I'm going to give you guys a heads up right away. Today, we're going to be talking with Professor Debbie Felton about ancient ghosts of Greek and Roman history. And then we're going to be talking tomorrow. We're going to go to Hawaii. Well, not exactly go to Hawaii, but Jason Lindo, um, who has been on a couple of para- who has been on a local paranormal team for years. I met him years and years ago while he was on that team, and we were filming for our TV show, uh, our public access TV show, actually. And uh, he's going to be on. He's from. He's from. I think I believe he's from Oahu, and he's going to be on with us. And He's going to tell us some legends of the islands tomorrow. So we're going to talk about Hawaiian ghosts. So we're kind of still staying. Let me pull that over. We're kind of still staying with the ancient ghost theme, but um, I'm excited to have him on tomorrow. And then Wednesday, I get to take the reins. And now that I figured out how to use the share screen stuff, uh, you guys are going to get to hear some of our evidence that we've gotten at, at uh, two or three places that are close by around here that you guys can visit. So uh, we're going to hear that. We're going to hear EVPs. We're going to see video. We're going to see, you know, pictures of evidence and stuff like that. So that'll be on Wednesday at our usual time. So we've got a pretty jam-packed three days. And again, starting next Monday, we're going to be going four days a week. So I'm excited about that. We're expanding out with our show. And we have November completely booked already. I'm booking for December. So we're rolling right along. Anyway, um, you know, Debbie Felton, uh, Professor Debbie Felton is going to be joining us in a few minutes. I see her camera's not on. She may just have to go voice today. Oh, there she is. Um, she's going to be joining us. She was on the show, uh, I think, about a month ago. We were talking about um, ancient, ancient uh, serial killers, and uh, she has a book out about ancient ghosts uh, from Greece, Greece and Rome times and so i'm excited to talk about that with her so without further ado let's see if she's settled are you settled are you ready i see a cat i see a black cat let's see what we got going <laughs> can you hear me okay hello i see you i see we have another guest <laughs> yep yep oh there he goes <laughs> and that is who that was nikki the cat mickey the cat you know with your background i thought it'd be something exotic Oh, yeah, you know, it's, um, I'm basically like in the most boring room of the house right now, <laughs> because um, everybody like, well, uh, my husband is asleep, and my kid's doing his homework. So I don't have the like, 
exciting background, <laughs> exciting, more interesting background that I sometimes have. <laughs> so there you go. I don't know if it was the storms yesterday. I don't see any stuff behind me that like fell that aren't supposed to be there. But so yeah, I, I, fix reading, that. I was reading about like the inches and inches of rain yes. that you're getting. I can't yeah. get into my backyard. And, you know, at least it didn't come in the house. But oh, I'm noticing yeah. things in here that probably because the weather let go. That's like, like I got this white thing hanging behind me I didn't know about. And like, just, what was, did you get, like three and a half inches or something? It was almost five. I think it was five inches. Oh, my God. Even more than I read about. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just crazy. It was just, I mean, it kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And I have a gazebo out back, and you know how they'll, they'll pull up. And I wanted to see if I could get it to survive through the rain. But the problem was, after about three o'clock yesterday, I couldn't get out there without having to, like, do the backstroke. So I, I finally thought, say, well, like, your rowboat, you know? Yeah, it's either going to survive or it's not. It survived the night. So hopefully it's starting <laughs> to dry out today. But, man, it, it was crazy. It was really crazy in the high winds and everything. Hmm. Anyway, this is Debbie Felton, guys. She's Like I said, she's been on before. And I'm <laughs> excited to have her. It's Halloween week. It's ghosts, ghosts, and more ghosts. Like, uh, <laughs> tomorrow's show, you might want to tune in. Tomorrow's I... show, I've got, a, I've got a friend from Hawaii. Who's going to be talking about uh, the ghostly legends of the islands? Yeah, I heard you describing oh, the that. history lesson. Like, oh yeah, my gosh, I would love to to a hear about history that. lesson tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be a wild week for us. So tell everybody about yourself. I know you're a professor, <laughs> but nobody else knows you're a professor unless they've listened to the show before. Well, I was going to say thank you for having me having me back because I was here talking about serial killers in antiquity a, a few weeks back, right? Yeah. And um, well, I'm, I'm a professor of classics at uh, the University of Massachusetts in Amherst, so I'm on the other side of the country. And when I was saying that, you know, my husband's like asleep already, etc. It's uh, it's a little after nine thirty, but it's been a really long day, and he had one of he had his uh, COVID booster shot. So uh, we'll do it. Made him feel a little. You know, so he decided to uh, to 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 lie down, and my kid's doing his homework, so I have to be quiet in like the small boring room with the like ugly sofa. And and then nothing on the walls. Anyway, um, so I teach at the University of Massachusetts in Amherst, and uh, uh, classics. Not a, a lot of people don't actually know what that is, but it's the study of the sort of the ancient Mediterranean world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I specialize in folklore of the ancient uh, Mediterranean world, mainly ancient Greece and Rome. Um, so I was here talking about serial killers in ancient Greece and Rome uh, <laughs> when you had me before. And what I also have is a book called Haunted Greece and Rome. Um, Ah, the paperback cover is more interesting, but anyway. Uh, so I wrote How about this one? Keep talking. I got it for you. See, I got you back. Oh, there you, you go. Oh, see, so yeah, that's much prettier. Thanks. <laughs> now, that book is uh, is much older. I, I wrote that book about 20 years ago. Um, and it's not, I mean, it sounds like it should be an anthology of ancient ghost stories, but what it really is, it just is like it focuses on haunted houses okay. in the ancient world. Um but also says some things about ghosts uh, back in ancient Greece and Rome also and the things they have in common with our modern ghost stories. And uh, I was going to say that the, where they differ from modern ghost stories, but there are so many similarities. It's actually sometimes hard to think of the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, that's that's why I do. I also work on uh, ancient fairy tales. Um, I'm currently editing the Oxford Handbook of Monsters in Classical Myth. So basically anything weird uh, from the ancient world <laughs> is sort of what I work on. And here's the kitty again. Come back here, kitty. He can come uh, in. That's cool. Yeah. Hey. 
We I like know. animals here. I had a dog for the first year I did this show. First year and a half, my dog would always be under the table, and people would people would laugh when I interviewed haunted people with haunted houses because they'd be like, "Oh my god, I can hear a ghost!" And I'm like, "No, it's the it's the dog snoring or the dog making a noise." <laughs> Yeah, um, he's a he's a sweetie, and I I've been I haven't been home. I I just I didn't get home until about eight o'clock tonight from the office too. So he's sort of like, why aren't you paying more attention to me? And where have you been? And all that, because they were used to there are two cats actually. That one's not in here, but they were used to having me home all day. Yeah, <laughs> because I was just like teaching remotely via Zoom, and now I'm gone most of the day, and sometimes real late too. So. They're, uh, they're, they're sort of still, we're all readjusting to, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, you were asking me what I do and that's, that's pretty much what I do. I teach, I teach courses on witchcraft in the ancient, witchcraft, magic and ghosts in the ancient world. I teach, um, Latin classes on, on ancient Latin ghost stories. And I, I'm this coming semester, I'm teaching a Greek course, ancient Greek course where we're reading ghost, the ghost stories in the original ancient Greek. So Cool. <laughs> See, I was at. I loved humanities in college. I lo just loved humanities, and and I had. A, I did have a instructor that taught witchcraft as well. So that was kind of cool. It was kind of cool. Yeah. So let's talk about your book. Why did you write this book? Well, I um, that's a, that's a great question actually because I sort of stumbled across uh, upon it. It's not uh, what <laughs> what happened was I didn't know that there were ghost stories like regular ghost stories like haunted uh -huh. house in the ancient world not like not like these and I'll, you know, I'll give you a specific example in a bit I, I suppose but I always I've liked ghost stories ever since I was young and it was right. my dad who got me interested in them and we we tended to have a lot of ghost story anthologies around the house like literary ghost stories like Victorian you know sure. uh, that turn of the century last century <laughs> and um when uh the reason i found out that there were stories like that in antiquity is because of a core a required class in graduate school on latin composition like we were required to take this class where we had to compose in latin because that's super useful right, right. Um, i mean I'm, I'm mocking it but the, the point was to make sure that we understood the language well enough to be able to teach it to other people um and so uh but we read this beautiful ghost story and the the reason we were reading it for this class was because <laughs> the teacher the professor wanted to demonstrate the difference between the use of the latin imperfect tense and the latin perfect tense and that was when he was focused done and meanwhile i was going what there's a haunted house story from ancient rome what there's a chain rattling ghost wait a minute why aren't we talking about any of that why are we only talking about the verb tenses? that's funny <laughs> and so um and then uh you know when i asked uh, him and some other professors about this none of them really had an answer to oh i don't know if there are any more stories like this or not and suddenly i had a topic for my dissertation in grad school which i then turned into this book uh, about a little over 20 years ago so that's the that's the long version of of the story that it didn't start out me looking for ghost stories it started with me taking a latin composition class that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> so tell me is there a difference between um because like, you mentioned that you know a lot of the comparisons between haunted houses back then and haunted houses now, is it, it, uh, are there any differences really? 
Well, I think um, maybe this would be a good time for me to describe the story that Go I read in that class. And why, why don't you describe a story that you got from the class? <laughs> sure. So, <laughs> so basically, it starts out just talking about this house. It's like in Athens, there was a large and roomy house, but it had a bad atmosphere and an unhealthy, you know, unhealthy air about it. And people who stayed there couldn't sleep because they were disturbed by the specter of this old man rattling chains. And, uh, you know, their sleep was disturbed every night until they either died from lack of sleep or left the house. And uh, so the house fell into disrepair and it was just sort of crumbling and left empty until um, it was put up for, for rent or for sale in case anybody who had not heard about the ghost was interested in buying or renting the place. But, you know, there came this uh, visiting philosopher he was just traveling around to visiting Athens and he noticed the basically for rent or sales sign mm -hmm. and he thought the low price was suspicious. So he asked about it and he was told the whole story, but that didn't deter him from staying there. It actually made him more interested <laughs> in staying there. So he went and he stayed in the house and he thought, well, I, you know, I don't want to imagine that I'm seeing the ghost because they've already told me the story. So I might be expecting to see something. So I'm going to distract myself by just doing some work. So he's, he's got his oil lamp there and he's, he's writing some things down and he hears the chains rattling uh, and they're coming closer and closer to the room that he's in. And sure enough, he turns around and there's this old man's ghost, you know, rattling chains in the room. And he sort of looks at it and goes, yeah, okay, just hang on a sec while I finish my sentence here. <laughs> and so he, he just goes back to his writing. And then the chain, the, the um, ghost comes closer and starts rattling his chains right over his head. And so at that point, he realizes it's not just his imagination. There really is a ghost right here. And it's trying to get his attention. So he follows the ghost and the ghost leads him into the courtyard of the house and to a particular spot where it vanishes. And so then he marks the spot, the philosopher marks the spot with some leaves and and then the next day when he's like, he's still alive, you know, in the morning and he hasn't run screaming from the house or anything. The next morning he goes and he tells the, the town officials, uh, you should dig up this spot. There's something going on. And they actually listen to him and they dig up the spot and they find a skeleton down there entwined with chains. And they give these remains a former burial, uh, former, wow. you know, proper burial, according to ritual. And the ghost doesn't haunt anymore. That's it. They the house isn't haunted anymore and it can go back to being a normal house. And the story just, if it didn't take place in Athens, you know, specifically ancient Athens. And if, if you didn't have uh, the philosopher in there with his name, Athenodorus, it's so generic. You think it could have, could have been anywhere. Right. Uh -huh. I mean, that's what really struck me about the story and also just how atmospheric it was. You never find out why this skeleton, you know, with chains, why, why somebody was killed and buried in chains in the courtyard of this house. Um, yeah, the, the specter never speaks. It just sort of cool. gestures, like, come this way. And you've got this typical, like, brave, rational, you know, character who's trying to solve the haunting and, and does. Um, so it's all it's and this is all done in the space of about three or four paragraphs, but it's still the longest one of the longest ghost stories from the ancient world and one of the most effective. That is interesting. Yeah, I thought so. That's why I went looking for more. But it's, but it's interesting that, that they even wrote this stuff down, you know, back then. 
Yeah. Well, that's um, that's another good point that, that you're bringing up, because this story appears in a letter that someone wrote to a friend of his. So it was mm -hmm. written, it was one of the letters written by Pliny the Younger. I don't know if anyone's heard of him, but his uncle, Pliny the Elder, was present at the eruption of Vesuvius and actually died on the beach there trying to help people escape. But Pliny the Younger... Um, was uh, I think he actually witnessed the eruption of Vesuvius also from farther away, but he uh, he left us he left a bunch of letters behind for personal correspondence, and in this particular letter he was literally writing to a friend of his saying, "Do you believe in ghosts?" Because guess what I heard the other day, <laughs> and then he tells not not just this ghost story but a couple of others, but this is the by far the most detailed, intricate, mm -hmm. long one of the three that that he tells, um, and he's asking his friend you know do you do you believe believe in ghosts uh so the whole letter was just on that topic it's just interesting to me because of all the belief they had in 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 the gods yeah you know and then to have these ghost stories i just it just it's just it, it, it boggles the mind yeah i mean it's sort of like they had these different levels of things they believed in and so um but I, I guess I should preface that by saying it then it was sort of like the same as now, which is you have some people who are firm believers in the gods and others who are like, well, there could be gods. We don't know. Let's just live uh -huh. our best lives and be nice to each other. Then there were others that were sure there was an afterlife and a spirit world. And other there were still others who thought that, you know, you just cease to exist when you die. Uh -huh. One of the um, one of the one of my favorite tombstone engravings or ep epitaphs from antiquity, it, it basically says. I was not, I was, I am not, I don't care. <laughs> so it's like non fui, fui, non sum, non curo in Latin. Nice. And I just, I yeah, I really like that one. <laughs> Very sh short to the point. But it, so anyway, the, my point is that there's just this range of beliefs. And that's reflected in the stories too. And it, it actually is reflected in plenty asking his friend do you believe in them i don't know what to think but here's some stories that i thought were interesting we don't know what his friend said back we don't have right. his friend's response but there are certainly ghosts all over ancient literature just not not necessarily stories that focus on ghosts the way that right. haunted house story does but there are certainly ghostly characters all over the place interesting because when I think about, like, I don't know the history on it, when I think of ancient ghosts, I think of Othello. Was it Othello? Oh, Othello from Shakespeare? Yeah. See, I think of that. Othello or, um, Not quite ancient, the... but I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Oh, like maybe but... like the, the ghost in, in Macbeth, maybe? Yeah, or that's Hamlet? what I meant. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, you, but there's also Hamlet's father. I didn't read about that. I'm sorry. I was like, Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Um, but yeah, so there are all sorts of ghosts in Shakespearean drama, right. and that from you know that's from uh, you know fifteen hundred years later uh, uh -huh. than, than Pliny, for example. But that's why that's one of the reasons I was so surprised to find out that the ancient Greeks and Romans had stories like this one. Um, this one was written about uh, a sort of late first, um, early second century. That right. early, early second century. Yeah. Uh oh, you froze. Did I freeze? I'm here. I'm good. I'm no, back. you're back. <laughs> Bad internet boy, you know, it's just that kind of thing. Anyway. Well, you're still having storms out there, right? Uh, they're coming and going. It's not that bad now. Yeah, because we're having them here too, actually. So I don't know. I don't know what caused a glitch. Could have been on my end. Because right. yeah. we have also had rain on and off most of the day, and we're going to be having it for the next few days. Because we're yeah. we're sort of on the outer edge of whatever it is that's kind of hitting up from the Appalachian area to New York City right now. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't have the best internet either, but I mean, it works for what I need for sometimes <laughs> when I need it. Sometimes. So yeah. when you talk about it, she goes, you know, I also think about the goat, the, the Roman ghosts and stuff that they see like nowadays, you know, the ones that, 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 that walk those roads. Mm. Or they'll be in a they'll, they'll be in an old building and they'll see them go you know from one wall to another and it's 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 a group of Romans walking through. Oh, that's I interesting. That too. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's. Legends. I think um, in terms of in antiquity, what you you do have stories of ghostly armies occasionally, right? Uh, for example, I don't know that there are any descriptions of ghosts like going through walls, which is interesting okay. because that is so common in later stories. Right. But um, there's, um, what was I going to say? Ghosts tend to like sink into the ground sometimes as if they're going back to the underworld. But there's a story about a ghostly, well, I guess it's a ghostly. I mean, it's just, you can hear it, but you can't see it necessarily. <laughs> I saw that one. <laughs> So there was a, a famous battle at, at a site called Marathon um, in the fifth century BCE when the Greeks were fighting the Persians. The for Persians were invading, and the Greeks, who were vastly outnumbered, somehow managed to uh, to win this battle against the invading Persians at this particular site, Marathon. And um, and a much later writer wrote that if you go there at night, you can still hear the sounds of the soldiers fighting and metal clashing, and you can hear the horses neighing. Uh, and uh, so it doesn't say you can see, you know, apparitions, but you can hear the sounds of the trauma of, of the battle if you go there at night. Is what one of them wrote. Um, there's, you know, it's 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 a neat story, but people get hung up on the fact that this guy describes horses neighing that you can hear. <laughs> Your horses, whereas there don't seem to have actually been any Persian cavalry or Greek cavalry at the. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, kitty! <laughs> Sorry, he's so cute. Anyway, yes, he's, he's going to do the show too, no matter what we do. So it's all good. Nikki, you're going to have to say hi. He's going all over <laughs> the world. We also call him Mister Kitten, even though he's eight years old now. But... <laughs> Well, I mean, when you think of Gettysburg, um, I've, I've never got the chance to go, but you think about that, and a lot of the reports are apparitions, a lot of the reports of people that hear the sounds of the battles. Yeah, and I mean, there, you know, there's the uh, spirit photography, like, oh, look, there's some fog there, maybe it's a ghost <laughs> kind of a thing. I'm highly skeptical of, of <laughs> photographs of that sort. But yes, the point is that there's there's definitely a, a belief and earnest reports of of still hearing the aftermath of that trauma, like being repeated and repeated down the centuries and decades. Oh, oh yeah, I know, um, as a ghost hunter, you know, you think um, something that dramatic with, with that much um stress like a like a war like that put, puts an imprint on time that's what we think yes exactly the idea is that i think um sometimes the technical term recordings is actually used right. for these um uh recurrences of the same uh -huh. sort of thing, the same site that don't interact with people like unlike the ghost in that haunted house story there are these other ones that just seem to be like reliving the trauma of an event like the, right. the ghost, like, you know, you see the, the woman falling from the tower and uh -huh. vanishing before she hits the ground or, or you see the ghostly army clashing or you hear it, you know, at certain intervals or on the anniversaries of battles and things like that. So, yeah, so they're just, they're different types of, of haunting. Exactly, exactly. So what else have you, I mean, what have you read? What else did you write? I mean, what else is in here? I mean, this is fascinating because I never really thought about them thinking 
box because you know you know the legends of like like Hades in the underworld you know and the fact that you know they're all down there that you know the, the ones that weren't so great are down they're running around but I never thought of them being able being able to leave the underworld at that point in time to come back well, I think part of the belief in antiquity, because um, again, you've, you've made another really great point. If you've got these restless spirits, they're there because they haven't necessarily made it all the way into Hades. Uh -huh. I mean, there, there are definitely differing accounts of what these things mean. Because, for example, the Battle of Marathon, people were buried. I mean, the Greeks, at least, were, were buried formally with honor. They shouldn't be restless spirits. Maybe it's just the Persians you can hear, but then why is there fighting? You know, I mean, uh -huh. you can hear the Persian side of it, but not the Greek <laughs> side. I don't know. Um, and, uh, um, and then um, something like the Ghost in the Haunted House would be um, not at rest. It would that spirit would not have made it to the other side because it wasn't buried properly, and in fact, um, a lack of proper burial seems to have been the number one reason for hauntings uh -huh. in the ancient stories. And this occurs whether the ghost is showing up in in person or in a dream. Um, but they'll come and they'll say, you know, my body's lying unburied. Please come bury me. Um, one of the earliest versions of a story like that is in the Odyssey, actually, when Odysseus actually he goes to Hades and on the like edge, like on the border of Hades, the people who haven't gotten in, one of those is one of his crewmen. Uh, Odysseus has gone to Hades from Circe's island. And when he gets to Hades to this border borderland before he doesn't actually go in, he's just there to bring the ghosts to him and uh, but one of the ones that meets him there, like one of the first ones, is his crewman, Elpinor. And Odysseus is sort of like, wait, what? <laughs> Why are you here? And Elpinor says, yeah, uh, you forgot me. You left me back on Circe's island. I got drunk one night, fell off the roof, broke my neck, and my body's still lying there. You didn't even notice I was gone, and you didn't bury <laughs> me. So can you take care of that when you get back, please? So, yeah, I mean, so this is the the ghosts that are milling around on, say, the uh, the shore of the River Styx waiting to get in sure. are the, re the restless spirits, like the spirits of, some writers describe the spirits of babies, you know, who died before their time, so they're restless. There are spirits of, of girls who were supposed to get married but died before they could get married and have children and fulfill their roles as women. So the shores of the Styx, according to some ancient authors, are just teeming with all of these restless spirits that didn't fulfill their roles in life and can't make it across the river Styx into Hades. So it's kind of disturbing, actually. Um, and then there are mixtures. You can die before your time and die of violence, or you can die before your time unmarried and unwed. So there are all these different categories, but they overlap. <laughs> they can also over... Yes, and now you have a great view of the cat's butt. <laughs> Sorry, it's just it's just a mess over here. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's, it's a typical Monday, possibly even a worse than usual Monday. <laughs> I have animals. I have a 17-year-old Kelpie that thinks she owns the place, and yeah. I my nickname for her is the Hurricane because they are going <laughs> clean, and I go back in. Like right now, I know they're in the hallway moving blankets, and they're doing everything else they're doing. Yeah. She likes you to know, move You know, it's things. not just that. I mean, I'm looking at myself here, and I'm going, yeah, by the way, I'm still giving myself my own haircuts, and why am I doing that? I could actually go to a hairdresser. Uh -huh. <laughs> I just keep cutting my own bangs. But it's just a habit now. Whatever, man, you know. <laughs> I was thinking about the river sticks, and when you talk about the babies, 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you would know about this or who knows about this, but you wonder about because you're supposed to give Sharon a coin yeah. to go. So you wonder if the babies had coins. Maybe that's why they're <laughs> hanging out there because they have no money. I know. It's like you hope that their families would maybe give them the money um, because uh, honestly, dying uh, women dying in childbirth, children dying very young. I mean, yeah. if you maybe passed your first year, you, you had a good shot. Right. But a lot of, you know, there was just... Um, all sorts of reasons why kids w would die in, in the crib. Um, and, uh, you know, but again, this is just some authors that describe this. Others would think, well, they died before their time, but they were buried mm -hmm. properly and they had prayers said over them. So they're fine. They're fine, really. Like, don't think about them. Uh, and this is one of the fascinating things is the incredible variety of beliefs about what what happens uh when you die and when you die uh i mean like like when in your life you die uh like what point in your life you die i guess is what i'm trying to say and uh there's one story of well it's a it's a boy who dies and his mother just can't get over it and so his ghost comes to comfort her in the evenings and says don't worry mom i'm okay you know i'm really sorry i died but it's okay <laughs> and so she takes comfort in the visitations from her dead son from the spirit of her dead son her husband on the other hand is not thrilled by this and what he does is he puts iron bars over the grave to keep wow. the ghost from coming out. Um, so even but way back, you know, two and 3,000 years ago, people were using iron, like types of forged metal sure. to uh, contain ward off ghosts. Like if you ever saw that show Supernatural, mm -hmm. right? They're always like, oh, look, here, here's like, you know, a fire iron or something. And I'm just gonna like wave it at a ghost or through a ghost and the ghost is gonna disappear because it's iron. Um, so the properties of certain metals, um, there may seem to be various reasons behind that, by the way, in terms of, well, ghosts are sort of these um, kind of, uh, a sort of an older tradition, uh, the natural world, but the world of technology can somehow ward them off with reason, but that's represented by forged metal or something. I mean, there's just all sorts, I mean, there, that's just one of many theories about like, why metal? You, uh -huh. you know, is it the rational versus the irrational or something like that? Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so that's the one I just said, uh, mentioned about the child coming back to his mother, but being stopped by the father. And by the way, the wife then sued the father, <laughs> sued, the husband, sued her husband, the father. Um, this was actually like a sort of a, a, a law case rather than a ghost story. Right, right, right. Anyway, that's, that's one of the main stories where you do see the ghost of a child um, as one of the main characters. Yeah. Were there ever any stories from the gladiator fight area, you know, from, 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 from the arenas or anything like that? That's another great story because I remember, God, it was probably 15 or maybe even closer to 20 years ago. There was some like, there was some show called Fox, Fox Channel's Scariest Places on Earth or something. Uh -huh. And they actually gave me a call and they said, you know, can you come and talk to us about the ghosts of gladiators and we'll, we'll fly you out to Italy into the Colosseum and you can tell us the stories. And I said, you know, that's an awesome offer, but I can't because there aren't any stories. And they were like, well, maybe you could make some up. <laughs> I said, I can't, I can't. Academic integrity. No, I can't do that. Sorry. Um, anyway, so I did not go to Italy <laughs> because I just, I didn't, you know, it just didn't seem like the right thing to do because there aren't any stories or at least if there are, I still haven't come across them and nobody's told me them and nobody else has found them yet. Though one of the reasons for that is, I mean, there's several reasons. 
One is, um, despite what you may see in movies or even in novels, there wasn't as much death in the arena as you may think. A lot of those were staged, kind of like MMA. Uh Um, (laughs) And you would have your star gladiators who you'd want to see fighting somebody else. And so to a certain extent, a lot of those fights could just be like, you know, intentionally rigged for show. Um, Certainly there were a lot of animals killed in the arena, but actual deaths of people, not as much as you would think, but then the other thing going on there was that the people who would be engaged to fight in the arena, which, I mean, if you've seen maybe Spartacus, this might sound a little familiar. (laughs) They were not Roman citizens. They were people who had been taken captive in war or they, they were slaves, they were criminals. They were people nobody really cared about. And so there wouldn't be a story like, oh, that slave is going to haunt us. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. that that was the other um, aspect of that. Like, why are there no glad- stories from the Colosseum about the ghosts of gladiators? Um, so there, w- there wasn't anything like that told in antiquity. I mean, maybe there were some later stories. But uh-huh. in terms of ancient Roman authors telling stories about hauntings in the Colosseum, not not. Not so much, yeah. Okay, okay. Which is awfully disappointing, I have to say. It is a bummer. Is a bummer. Yeah, um, <laughs> what What do you think is the most common type of story from from that era? You mean the most common type of ghost story? Yeah, from or, that era. Um. Well, it's a long span of time. Um, there are definitely are haunted places. Uh, and so the haunted house story I told you, that's the best one, sure. but there are other ones like it. So there's a haunted house in Corinth that's uh-huh. very similar, um, told around the same time. Um, and the ghost is a little more aggressive and less sympathetic in that story. Uh, the ghost is a shapeshifter and it turns into all sorts of animals and it tries to attack the philosopher who, uh, again, it's a philosopher. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently only philosophers are reasonable enough or rational enough to not get scared by ghosts um, in these stories. But this, this ghost is, is much more, terrifying um and the story is a lot more exaggerated and exaggerative in terms of the number of things that this ghost shapeshifts into and the philosopher has to has this book of egyptian spells and so he's casting all these spells at it until he finally like by the power of words drives it into the corner of of a room of the house and it sinks into the ground there's one of the ones that sinks into the ground that i was mentioning before um and uh uh, and I, I think, you know, it's the same sort of thing. You dig up the spot, you find a skeleton, you bury it. But in the in that story, the focus was really on, like, how horrible the ghost actually was. And it doesn't even seem to be the ghost of a human person, almost, just because of the, so many things that it does. But they do find the remains. So it was definitely a, a human behind there. And those stories are from the second, late first early to mid second century CE. But there's one that's several hundred years older from I think about the third century, uh, uh, third or second century BCE. And it's it's similar, though it's more comical. But it's basically from a Roman comedy called the, the Little Monster or the Haunted House. And in this one, a son is having a party in the house while his father's away. The father, the father's the old man. And he's not supposed to be having a party. The old man comes back unexpectedly early from his trip. And so the young man tries to get the household servants uh, to keep the old man away by saying the house is haunted. Uh Uh, And the story that the, the servant tells is, 
oh yeah, you can't go back in there. We found out it was haunted. While you were gone, we found out the house was haunted. And <laughs> it's haunted by the ghost of a traveler who was killed on the premises. And now he's taken possession of the house and nobody can go in there without being hurt. Um, and the ghost has told everybody to get out, you know, sort of like in the Amityville horror, get out <laughs> kind of thing. So that, that story is much earlier and it's told in a comic setting. But the point again there is that, well, clearly this sort of story was being told, even if we don't have tons more written versions of it. Mm -hmm. The idea that a ghost of someone who had been killed on the premises is haunting a house is very, very old. That's and, interesting. Uh, yeah, and there are haunted bathhouses. Oh, this this guy was killed. He was. Oh yeah, let's hear the bathhouse. Yeah. yeah. He was like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he was stabbed to death in the bathhouse. It's not funny, but he, you know, this the story is more serious than the comic one I, I was just mentioning. So this guy <laughs> is basically stabbed to death in a bathhouse because he's na he's naked and vulnerable in the bathhouse, and they steal mm -hmm. his belongings. And so the bathhouse was supposedly haunted after that with oh spooky sounds and apparitions. Gee, could that be like the water running underneath it? And the steam i don't know but the story says that the bathhouse was deserted and uh fell into disrepair after that so again just different yeah. different <laughs> different versions of the haunted house story and they did drink a lot of wine so we're gonna keep that where it's at too so yes although they apparently diluted their wine with a good amount of water so that they could keep drinking without getting uh too ill but they still saw ghosts, so we don't know. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, know well, on. yeah, I mean, and it's a lot of it has to do with people's state of mind, too. I mean, if you're suggestible, if uh, if you're nervous, um, if you're expecting to see something, you know, uh -huh. or hear something, maybe you, maybe you hear it. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, so there are all sorts of reasons um, that people might imagine that they're seeing something. And you can tell from the way I'm talking that I don't think any of this is real. Right. But it's not like I know for sure that it's not, right? I'm just, I'm a skeptic. But sure. What if there are such things and people really are seeing them? I mean, I don't want to like count that out either. <laughs> so, are there a lot of stories from, from battlefields? Um, there are. Let's see. The one I told you was about Marathon. There are definitely just brief, like one sentence descriptions of you know this battlefield was ill omened because so many people died there, and supposedly you can still see them at certain times of year. So there's one sentence here and there, but there aren't these sort of longer stories. Um, uh -huh. And then along with the ghost stories, you've got. There are stories of, of witches and wizards, for example, and werewolves. So there, there are definitely a lot of other kinds of Halloween-related stories. So uh, along with now stories. you've got my attention. Okay, so this is ancient Rome and ancient Greece, and I mean, obviously, you you have the centaurs, you have this, you have that. Yeah. So now we've got werewolves too. Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned the centaurs because those were sort of a more mythological creature. Uh -huh. um, the way it's sort of like you've got you've got like gods, and then you've got um, mythological monsters and hybrid creatures like Pegasus, the winged horse, and the centaurs, right. and the uh, you know the satyrs, the half 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 goat or originally half horse, I guess, but half, uh -huh. you know, more thought of more as as half goat, I guess, and fawns, which are sort of goatish, also, um, and you've got werewolves and ghosts and witches. So, well, witches are more humans who do spells, but the werewolves, yes, there's a very famous werewolf story. Again, from a, 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 around the same time as the haunted house stories that I mentioned, maybe a little earlier. And 
it's told from the point of view of a, a, a servant whose um, master is out of town. And so the servant is going off to the country. He's leaving the town for the country to go and visit his girlfriend, who happens to be married to somebody else. But he's basically going to visit visit this woman while her husband, I guess, is out of town. Uh, everybody's out of town. Anyway, um, it's not super safe to travel the roads alone uh, at night or at all because there's really no there was no police force. I mean, in the Roman Empire, you would have you know bits of the Roman army here and there patrolling the roads, but the Roman Empire was huge and they couldn't cover everything, and so highway robbers were a huge concern. And if you were smart, you'd get somebody to go with you for to help. Like the more the the more the safer, the more the merrier and safer uh -huh. when you're traveling. And this guy asked. Um, a soldier to come with him, a friend who happened to, to be a soldier. Well, not, not that close of a friend, actually, sort of a, a guest at the same place he was staying anyway. So our narrator asked this fellow to come along, and they're making their way out of the city. And outside of the city wall, there's a cemetery, because cemeteries were outside the city walls um, in ancient times, because you wanted to separate the living from the dead. And uh -huh. there was this sort of miasma or concept of pollution um, that the living didn't want to associate, you know, with the dead, because they would somehow get polluted. They're not, they're not, I mean, again, sort of atmospherically polluted, not like right. literally physically polluted. Anyway, so the dead were buried outside the city. It's not that they knew anything about germs or infections necessarily either because microscopic, but th they knew that there was something going on that you don't want to be like have the dead buried like down the street from you necessarily. Right. Anyway, so this narrator... This lower class guy and his lower class uh, soldier soldier companion are uh, in the cemetery, and our narrator says, "And my friend went off to the tombstones to to pee, basically." And I just sort of looked the other way and waited for him. Um, but when I looked around to see if he was done yet, he had taken off all of his clothes put them in the road and was peeing in a circle around his clothes. And the next thing I know, he had turned into a wolf all of a sudden and went oh. bounding off into the woods. And so our narrator, he's like, I was completely terrified. I was pale as a ghost. I drew my own sword and was slashing at shadows because I was such a nervous wreck after seeing this man turn into a wolf. And I basically ran the rest of the way to my girlfriend's country home. And when I got there, she said, it's too bad you didn't get here earlier. A wolf got into our flocks and killed some of the sheep and you could have helped us if you were here. Oh. And, uh, but that, that wolf didn't get away with it the whole, the whole, you know, all, all the way because one of our servants managed to wound him with a spear. And so our narrator is like, his eyes just get super wide and he's like, oh my God, I think I'm putting this together. And instead of staying the night with his girlfriend, he goes all the way back to town where his traveling companion is in bed being treated by a doctor with a wound, a spear wound to his neck. And so our friend realizes the guy is a shapeshifter. There wasn't nice. an actual word for werewolf. There was just a word for like skin shifter, skin changer, versipolis, versipolis. Um, so he realizes that his companion was a shapeshifter and refuses to associate with him after that because he's so freaked out. He's like, I can never break bread with him at the table again. I can't eat with him again, meaning I can't socialize with this guy because it's just like too creepy and too unnatural. But the guy, it, it's, the other thing I forgot to mention is this happens during a full moon. Of course it does. <laughs>
Of course it does. And that's 2000 years ago. So you've got all of these elements that you end up with like now, right? In werewolf stories, in movies, there's a full moon. Um, the guy changes into a wolf wherever he gets wounded while he's in wolf shape. That wound is still in his body when he turns back into a, into a human. Um, and uh, I guess I should have said, well, he peed around his clothes and they turned to stone. And it was because he needed to be able to retrieve the clothes later um, by another magic spell, probably maybe reverse peeing around them. I don't sure. know. <laughs> but if he couldn't get his clothes back, it's like he would—he couldn't turn back into a human. Is the implication? Okay. And that's like in a lot of uh, fairy tales where you read about, like, let's say, the Swan Maidens who need to be able to put on their their cloaks again to to turn back into humans after turning into swans or things like that. So, the clothes are a symbol of civilization. Uh, once you put those on, you're, you know civilized in the sense of you're you're farther away from nature and what i find interesting is, is the whole shape shifter concept i know that zeus was well, able yeah, to, the gods can do that, to, to yeah. change yeah to, to change i mean that's how he fathered hercules and all this happened and you know but it's just interesting to think that it, it's that much ingrained to where you know aside from the gods that, that there's these other shapeshifters around yeah well witches and wizards seem to have been um a this this ability was attributed to them and so like witches could turn themselves into birds like owls or into flies and they could be flies on the wall like literally <laughs> <laughs> and and over here or they could as birds fly to their lovers houses because women weren't supposed to leave their homes at night they were supposed mm -hmm. to stay with their husbands or families or whatever but if they had a secret lover they wanted to be able to go see well if you were a witch you could turn yourself into a bird and go and do that um so and there are uh there's certainly um magicians in ancient literature who can turn themselves into wolves a book just came out last year on the werewolf in the ancient world. Um, it's by Daniel Ogden, who's at, uh, who's in the UK. And it's the first like comprehensive study of the werewolf in the ancient world. And it's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> you gave me a name. Thank you. It's already yeah. up on the computer. So it's already in the computer right now. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, if you can talk to him, that would be, you know, that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. He's a, he's Let's really talk about guy. the differences. Um, they had seers. Yes. Like the ones that, that you know, like the uh, what the one for Aphrodite, you know, they they had the seers, and they also had, you know, of course, of course, there are people that that would be the doctors technically that 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 would have, you know, the 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 uh, herbs and all that. So what yeah. what what made a witch stand out from a seer <laughs> and the other kind of person? Okay. So again, another really great question. <laughs> like, this is why it's so awesome to talk with you. Um, so the seers or the priestesses, um, the, the mediums, for example, the intermediaries, the priestesses, right. the, um, the pythias, the seers, um, they themselves were simply seen as conduits. So okay. like the god Apollo, if this is what you're talking about, the god Apollo, for example, would talk through the priestess uh, at Delphi. Like right, the, the oracle, I just saw that, oracle, right. oracle at Delphi, yeah. Yeah, the oracles, the sibyls, the seers. So they were seen as conduits, like a medium in a seance. I mean, so these, these seers were seen as the intermediaries, which is actually where the word medium, I, I think, comes from. 
So they acted as these mediums in, in just a more sort of exalted version of a seance where like a deity was believed to be talking through them and, and sending messages to humans. So they themselves were not necessarily casting spells, for example, or mixing potions, although there are certainly theories that in order to get into this state of altered consciousness to communicate with the deities, they would be chewing on some sort of hallucinogenic you know, plant or some sort of thing. Uh, you know, there have been theories in the past that the priestess of Delphi was inhaling gases that were coming up through the ground or something that that put her in this uh, right. transcendent state of uh, altered consciousness. But the witches in literature um, are definitely casting spells and making potions with ingredients that they should not be using, like human organs, for example, or certain parts of animals. Um, and so there's some great stories, well, you know, I mean, gruesome, but like great in the sense that here are some really great stories about witches. Um, that they, uh, there's one story where witches are trying to make a love potion. And so they have uh, kidnapped a young aristocratic boy and buried him up to his neck in the ground. Um, and they're basically starving him to death. They're putting out food in front of him that he can smell and want because he's hungry, but he can't have it. And the idea My. is that his liver is going to be inflamed with uh, desire for the food or something along those lines. And then they're going to kill him and, and use his liver in their love potion because the liver is the seat of passion, you know, something along those lines. Nice. Uh, so the use of children's body parts because children were pure and all of that. And, you know, again, still going on in certain parts of the world. So there was a case just a couple of years ago um, in, uh, in a country where somebody was procuring body parts of children, like children's bodies were being found missing certain organs. And somebody was actually literally going out and finding these things to sell them for use in potions that were supposed to make people rich or make them fertile or, or, you know, this and that. So, so that, that still happens. This, this concept has not changed in, in several thousand years. Um, and then, you know, one of the reasons why, uh, Witches were associated with potions uh, in antiquity and I'm, I'm sure and beyond is that women were basically the ones who were associated with, with the food, right? They would be the ones preparing the food. They had access to the food. If they were going to do something, it was going to be by poison, you know, <laughs> or by potion. They were far less likely to be able to go out of the house and kill somebody with a sword, even if that's the way they wanted to do it. So, um, it's an inversion of what the correct women's roles were supposed to be. You're supposed uh -huh. to be preparing food, not, not uh, poisoning people. You are supposed to be bearing children, not killing them. Uh, you know, there was, there's a wit, there was a witch in another story who would just dig out the fetuses from the wombs of pregnant women with her fingernails. Yikes. Yeah. It just all, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> so there are a lot of, uh, pretty horrible witch stories from the ancient world. And they're, they're a lot uh, more gruesome than the, the stories about ghosts, which tend for the most part to be hauntings. Um, very few of the stories about ghosts have them physically attacking people. I mean, uh -huh. there are some, you know, but not, not that many. I just find it interesting how that has all been passed down over the centuries. Yeah, you know, with the witches and all that. I, you know, I was watching that that show with the Amish and the the haunted Amish, and it What's shocked that? me. I forget what it was called. I don't even know if it's on anymore. Yeah. 
And it was it was all the Amish people that had ghost experiences and stuff. And oh, it was really I have, I did not know about that one. Just check it. Out. My still be on you know Discovery Plus where you can look it up. You know one of those things. What I thought was interesting was growing up in a Mexican household, which is our brujas in my household. Yeah. And then the Amish, they're brujas. Yeah. So it's a similar name. Yeah, I wonder what that. I feel like I ought to know what that comes from, but I don't off the yeah. top of my head. But I'm just yeah. saying is that it's just it's interesting to me how the two cultures that are completely different yeah. can have a similar name for you know for 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 the witches. Yeah. No, I'm sure a linguist could could probably answer that. You know, like yeah. I mean, Right, right off the top of. Uh, I, 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 I had to rewind it because I was like, "Wait a minute, I hear that." You know, hitting <laughs> the button. But it's just interesting to me how these things have been passed down from 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 ancient times. Because you think about you know you think about vampires and stuff, and you think about Dracula, so you're thinking you know it's from the 1600s or whatever, and you don't think about it being passed down all the way from Roman and Greek. To, well, I mean, because because uh, get granted they they had their seers, they you know that. They they had their mythology going on, but you don't think that you know it's it's, it's sent down you know that far back. Well, yeah, I mean, this is one of the reasons I got so interested in looking at these stories because, in a way, um, you know, for a very long time it was considered more sort of I guess lowbrow. Uh, I mean, the folklore folklore, um, mm -hmm. at least in the field of classics, was not initially. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say it. When I when I was in grad school, like when I was getting close to finishing and going out to look for a job, I, um, you know, I would describe what, what I did to people. And one of the first responses I got was like two, a two sentence rejection, you know, for a paper I had submitted saying folklore isn't serious scholarship. I mean, that's like that was like literally what the what the sentence said. And it was like they didn't even bother to read my paper because the word folklore was in the title or something. Uh -huh. um, so aside from thinking that maybe the journal editor should have looked for a different reviewer. Right. <laughs> um, I was quite um, demoralized, uh, you know, by by reading that because this is what I was interested in. So. You know, for a while there, it was really difficult to get people to take this sort of subject matter seriously. But really, in the last 20 years in particular, there's been this, like, you know, sort of burgeoning of interest in the witches and the ghosts and the things like the werewolves, like the book I, I just mentioned. Right. So, um, you know, and I think that's great. I think it's great because, among other things, you know, it it's more relatable maybe to a lot of people like, Oh my God, we still tell stories like this. Uh -huh. It's a lot easier to see connections um, than it is say for something like, well, okay, there's, there's, there's Heracles, you know, Hercules to the, to the Romans, there's Heracles and he's this great hero, but that's all Greek myth and monster fighting. And we don't have that now. Right. You know, but we certainly have ghosts, ghost stories, people still seeing ghosts and telling ghost stories. Um, I mean, people still read Greek myth, but it's not like current news sort of stuff, if you see what uh -huh. I mean. <laughs> yeah. And the ancient Greeks had something similar to vampire, even. They had a creature called the Lamia, which was sort of a half female, half snaky kind of creature who would drink the blood of young men. Like fat, they would fatten up young men. Like they would, they would appear as these seductive, beautiful mortal women. And they would... Um, seduce the the young men particularly young men and they'd fatten them up with great food and then they would uh basically drink their blood 
So, yeah, that's the closest you come in antiquity to having a vampire figure. Interesting. It, it is. I just find it, I find it, like I said, I, I hate to say the word fascinating again, but it, does, it fascinates me because then when you look back, you can see how over the years they've been adapted to, like, like when you talk about the hauntings, right? You know, how they've been adapted to whatever century. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, now, even when there are stories like, say, Vanishing Hitchhikers, like all these urban legends, the roads are always a very interesting place you, you, in antiquity. Like you, you find all sorts of uncanny things going on along the roads because they're kind of like, I don't know, sort of liminal, like they're not one place or another. They're between places. You're, there's often like in antiquity, especially there's nobody around. And so again, like a philosopher and some of his companions are walking along a road and one of these Lamia creatures appears to them. And he's not fooled for a minute. He's like, she looks like a beautiful woman, but she's actually a Lamia. And we need to like curse her until she leaves. And then, so he does that and she disappears. But they're off in the middle of nowhere, like in the mountains on some deserted road when this creature appears to them. Uh, and a lot of the, um, a lot of the spookier stuff that happens, happens on roads sometimes. Um, so. Wow. Yeah, that's true. Even now, I mean, you got you got like you say the phantom hitchhikers, or something crosses in front of the car, or they see a phantom dog, or or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and I think we were talking a few weeks ago about, um, you know, even in antiquity, serial killers along highways right. was a, a thing. Just like like now, he, uh, serial highway highway kill, serial highway killers. Uh, I've got the words in the wrong order, but you know, it's still it's an issue. The FBI has their serial killers highway initiative kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so uh, and a lot of these haunted houses tend to be sort of on the edges of the city, you know, or just. Uh -huh you know, like right by the city wall kind of thing. Um, or a young man is walking along a road and that's where he meets a Lamia. Not, not just a philosopher, but there's right, another right, right. where he's walking along a road by himself and suddenly this beautiful woman appears like she's going to be walking around by herself, you know, on the road. That's, that's your first clue that it's not okay. You know, not an okay person to, <laughs> not hang okay to talk to or have a conversation. Yeah. What about, um, what about um, any sightings of, uh, my mind, I'm telling you, it's my, my lips don't want to work. Okay. Any <laughs> sightings of like um, Caesar or people like that? Oh, so ghosts of famous people. Um, well, visually, not necessarily, but the spot where Caligula was assassinated was supposedly like, you know, again, these eerie disturbances, especially uh -huh. on the anniversary of his death. And I think what his family ended up doing was moving his grave or something to a different place to and then nero who had killed his had had his mother killed nero had these bad dreams where he was being chased by his mother and the furies um because he oh. had such a guilty conscience you know so so uh so there there are some and i think um you know again um you know, I think Aeneas had a dream about Hector. Hector had been killed by Achilles in the Trojan War. Uh -huh. And Aeneas uh, has a dream, I think, about Hector at one point. And Hector's all, like, looking all icky the way he was, you know, killed when he, yeah, the way he had looked when he was killed and dragged around the city walls. So sometimes the famous people's ghosts will show up in dreams, especially. Sure. 
Um, but there's there's not as much as you would think. Like when you've got something like the Tower of London and it's like, oh, look, there's the ghost of Anne Boleyn and like various other famous ghosts hanging out in the tower. You don't have uh, that sort of thing really as much in, in antiquity. Well, you'd think with the egos that the emperors had that they just can't let go, you know, but I yeah. guess, I guess, I guess once they went, they went, except for Caligula. Well, you could see it with Caligula, because we were talking about, you know, being stuck on, on, on the banks of the, 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 <laughs> of the river, river Styx. Now, there's a guy yeah. that would be stuck. Well, the thing is that even somebody as hated and feared as Caligula would have received a proper proper burial. Right. Um, and so there was less excuse for them to be restless spirits, no matter how <laughs> pissed off they were about having actually been murdered instead of, you know, just dying naturally. He wants to go um, all over the world. You know it and I know it. So, um... <laughs> So, uh, so the famous people tended to get some of the most elaborate and ritual-filled burials, and therefore were not thought to be restless, and so there'd yeah. be less reason for people to tell stories about them. Absolutely. It's your time, buddy. The next few days, it's your time, man. Oh, it's black, black cats, you know? I know. You know, there's no such thing, apparently, as a completely black cat. They've always got a little bit of white on them somewhere, and he does. He has a tiny, tiny bit of a little white patch on his chest. <laughs> See, mine, um, when they get in the sun, I have two of them, and when they get in the sun, they have a little bit of sable color when you see them. Yes, and he's got, like, this nice bronze undercoat. Uh -huh, it's really uh -huh. pretty. They do. <laughs> Debbie, I want to thank you so much for coming on. This was a blast. I want to thank you for having me again because you ask the best questions. It's like you already know so much about. I try. I try. Artists, I try. You know what to ask. And hello, Kitty. Hello. <laughs> Nikki, say goodbye. <laughs> well, we'll get you on again, too. This, 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 this was a blast. Well, there's certainly plenty more material. So if you need more Absolutely. next year, Halloween, just. Absolutely. Come Absolutely. How do people get <laughs> a hold of you? I really appreciate it. So sure, much no fun problem. How do people get a hold of you? Well, um, I'm not much. I'm not really on social media. Um, I, I, I wish I were. I just don't have time to maintain, you know, all these sites. I, I have a <laughs> faculty, your head. It looks faculty funny <laughs> at the University of Massachusetts, University of Massachusetts Classics okay. Department. Um, I, I could maybe type my uh, email into the. I don't know if I can. Actually, I, I, I put a link to your site at the uh, university oh, yeah, the sure. previous, the other show. Um, so we're good. Yeah, so you know, people should certainly feel free to email me because um, okay. I I definitely answer e emails and all that. And I just uh, let's just say I don't have, you know, Instagram or Twitter or anything like that because I can barely keep up <laughs> <laughs> with all the stuff I'm supposed to be doing. And I would be so distracted if I had all that. All He's going to be famous now. You know that. Nikki the cat. Nikki the black cat. <laughs> he's like oblivious he's like why are you why is your computer right here and why are you talking to somebody who's not there and what's why are you talking into a box yeah yeah <laughs> but he can hear you so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's another thing he's wondering why is the, why is the noise coming out of the box <laughs> you know he kept making appearances while i was teaching on zoom over the last uh, year and a half and the students always thought that was a nice break to you know have the cat because my camera sits on top i can see my cat going oh it's got a light on it how fun is that Poof, you know <laughs> off i go flying somewhere you know so yeah, yeah. um how, how can people get your books well, they're available on Amazon. Um, you know, if anybody's interested, that's great. I think I've—I probably said this last time, but it's not like I make any money off of them. <laughs> so, um, but you know, it's, I think it's great if people there. There are certainly used copies of Haunted Greece and Rum because that one has been out for a while. Sure. Um, 
the serial killers book it just came out this last summer um but there are paperback versions of both and i will they're they're both well under 30 dollars especially haunted greece and rome i think that one's like 13 or 14 at this point because it's been out libraries might have them um anyway it's yeah i think um they're both very short they're you know, I think easy reads. Uh, you can read one chapter, and it's not like it, there's a plot. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's just chapters on different subjects, different haunted houses, different types of ghosts. The the words that people used for ghosts, the superstitions about ghosts. Oh, like cool. if you have freckles, it keeps ghosts away. You know. <laughs> oh, and they did have they did have the folk belief that animals could sense spirits. So like horses, oh, really? dogs cats they could see spirits according to the the, the ancient greeks and romans that's yeah. really cool that is yeah. really cool that is really cool thank you again for coming on and i know it's late Thanks for you for now so get some rest and uh we'll be in touch again okay <laughs> okay thanks again great talking right, with you no problem thanks bye. a lot bye bye oh that was fun it's always fun to have her on and, and talk about stuff. I love it. Like I said, I, I, I am a humanities buff and I just love history. And wow, wow, wow. Anyway, here we go. That was day one of our ghosty, ghosty, ghosty week. And again, tomorrow we're going to have Jason Lindo on. And he's a good friend of mine. And uh, he was working on a team when I was filming the California Haunts TV show. And uh, I'm excited to have him on to talk about Ghosts of Hawaii tomorrow. Um, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five people. We're equal opportunity here because we want, want to keep getting the word out. You guys have been doing a good job of getting the word out for us. So we're real happy with that. Our numbers are going up, 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 up. Um, you know, issue we have here, this is a lot of pocket. We're a nonprofit team, and uh, I pay for everything out, out of my own pocket. And my pockets are empty. Um, if you want to, if you feel it in your heart to donate to help us out, to keep the show on the air, that's paypal.me at California haunts. And again, paypal.me at California haunts YouTube. We're up to 87 subscribers. We're getting there. We're inching up to where we need to be. I need you to subscribe on YouTube. I'm trying to get a dedicated URL so that people can go directly to our YouTube site. All of our videos are there for the last year and a half. And, uh, yeah, and so uh, right now YouTube has a certain limit before I can put a dedicated URL on there. The only way to get to us, you cannot Google us, you cannot Google by episode or anything like that. You're not going to find us. You have to go to our website at www.californiahaunts. I'm sorry, www.californiahauntsradio.com. <laughs> And all our episodes are on there. I'll be putting this one on there later on tonight. And you click on the episode, it'll take you over to the YouTube site. Then you can subscribe. We get a little over 100 subscribers, and they're going to let us assign a um, URL to it. So if you could do that for me, I'd appreciate it, too. It's fun to see the numbers go up. And I'm so happy that you guys are watching everybody around the world. We have a lot of, you know, a lot of people in the United States, a lot of people... Mideast, a lot of people in Germany and a lot, of, you know, a lot of folks all over the world now, and I'm real excited about it. So keep on watching and tell, tell your friends about us because we're going to be here for the duration. And like I said, November, we start doing four shows a week. And everybody got that book solid for us, different topics, different types of guests and all that good stuff. So anyway, I want to thank you guys. We will be here at the same time tomorrow evening with Jason Lindo to talk about Ghosts of Hawaii. And I will see you tomorrow. Oh, you know what? I'm going to run this first before I forget. Brain farts. God, they're just flying today. Here's the information on how to contact Debbie if you want to talk more history with her. 
and that's umass.edu forward slash classics forward slash that was quick huh members forward slash debbie felton i think it said here's her book monsters and monarchs and haunted greece and rome ancient ghosts and that can be found at amazon both books can be found at amazon and i think they can be found used as well like she said so again i want to thank you all for coming and i will see you tomorrow bye bye